welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Wednesday morning slash afternoon, December 2nd, 2020. He is Tristan Happy Cockroft, so magical in fantasy baseball that he has already won his 2021 leagues before even drafting any of the players. That, that's how good Tristan is at this. Um, he's laughing. Kyle Sopp, oh. who produces and researches for our fine little show, taking a welcome break from football, but let's not tell anyone. Kyle's the best. I'm still Eric Carabell, and yes, it has been more than nine months since my last haircut. I'm getting a little bit embarrassed. What, ha- what that has to do with fantasy baseball, I do not know. It's lucky. It's good that you guys can't see what I look like. Um, on today's it's show. It's glorious. Come on. We got to say that. I just don't care. Um, well, I, I care what you think, but like, I don't really care. On today's show, some but not much movement in free agency. We'll share our thoughts. We'll also spend half the show answering your hash browns because you demand it. And, well, we will probably run out of things to discuss otherwise. Tristan, how are you doing this fine day? Hope your Thanksgiving was good. Family's healthy. It, it was good. It was quiet. It was small, and I sort of like the peace and quiet. I mean, the, it was it was kind of nice. How was yours? Yeah, we were, weren't all there, but it was. We did what we could. We're still eating leftovers. <laughs> the Zoom, the Zoom Thanksgiving. Oh, that's the thing. Yeah, like if the, if you had a small event for Thanksgiving, you've got a lot of leftovers left. We oh finally, my God, finally I finally finished them. Would kill for a chicken parm sandwich right now. Um, oh yes. Okay. Let's move on, talk about some players here, and then a little bit later we'll bring Kyle in, our friend, to talk about what people are asking on Twitter. Um, so it's the second day of December, and it doesn't look like a whole lot has happened so far. The big-name free agents, Tristan, have not signed yet. And I suspect um, when we do our show in January, it'll be the same thing. I'm not, I'm not sure what the hurry is on Real Muto and Bauer and all these other guys because, I mean, baseball hasn't even figured out what it's doing in 2021 yet. So we won't belabor the point here. When it's starting – whether there's a DH, what rules are in place. Baseball's taking its sweet all time. Let's talk about some of the players that have signed. And actually today, it's kind of a big day in the baseball world, the non-tender deadline. The Twins have already announced that Eddie Rosario will be cut loose, which means he can take his uh, efforts to another team. He's a fine player. You have him ranked as the number 23 outfielder, top 100 guy. But Alex Kirilov is a lot cheaper, and he's ready. He made his major league debut in the playoffs last season. He might be only first base eligible in ESPN leagues, if I recall. That might be untrue at this point, and who knows what we're doing for next year. Uh, yeah, I've got to have to look that one up because I do have a, a hint of first base eligibility for him. I'll have to investigate. But he's a hitter, and he might be their regular right fielder right away. And, you know, there could be other names. Chris Bryant could get cut today, Kyle Schwarber. We already saw Hunter Renfro cut, Renato Nunez. So pricey guys – I don't know. Anyway, your thoughts on the, what the Twins did? I'm not surprised by it. Uh, I mean, based on the fact that they have the outfield prospect depth, depth, as you mentioned, Kirilov is very intriguing to me. It's a huge boost to him fantasy-wise. Uh, they do have Trevor Larnack. That's another player who's going to be up in the next year or two, I would think. Um, yeah, so there are definitely options. I'm not shocked by Rosario's uh, departure. I, I actually find it interesting for him fantasy-wise just because you know about the high wall in right field and target field. We've talked about how that's a pretty good hitter's park, but for a left-handed hitter, could he end up in a situation where that boosts his power just a little bit? That might make him a more appealing option. Right. And obviously teams – look, teams lost money in 2020, all right? And I'm not going to go editorializing here, but they did. 
So they're trying to cut costs best they can, whether whether it's with, with their employees. There's not going to be fans. I don't know if there's going to be fans in the stands next season or not. I guess we'll see what happens in a couple months with the, all that's going on. Um, but there will be other big names. Gary Sanchez. You know, your Yankees could cut the, their overrated catcher who can't field or hit for average. So he could end up somewhere else as well. I'm pretty certain that my Phillies are not going to be active in the market. Um, but the Mets will be. And, you know, here's a little editorial for you. If I'm a Mets fan right now, Steve Cohen is a revelation, man. That press conference when he was introducing himself as the new owner of the club. If I'm a Mets fan, and I know Mets fans, and I know you know Mets fans, they have to be on cloud nine about this guy. He is saying all the right things. He's doing all the right things. He's going to spend his money. He's not. He even said he's not in this to be mediocre. I'm jealous. I am. My my team. The president says nobody wants to move in a pandemic, and they're cutting everybody, and they're not going to sign real Muto. I mean, like, if you're the Mets are going to sign players now. They already signed Trevor May, the right-handed relief pitcher, and for fantasy purposes. I don't think that's very good for him because I don't see him in line for saves, right? I mean, we think Edwin Diaz is clearly the closer. I'm not even sure May is next in line. Do you agree with that? I, I th- well, it depends a little bit on what they do with Seth Lugo. But one thing for fantasy, the leagues that do count holds or saves plus holds, I do think that this locks May very nicely into a high-volume holds role. So that's that's a positive. And it is, considering Edwin Diaz's struggles, a possibility that May could sneak in a couple of saves, especially if they go committee direction. By the way, you mentioned about the, the Mets and the Phillies GMs. The one thing I'd say, Cohen-wise, I, I was a little surprised to see chatter that you know, general manager candidates might not be interested in that job, hearing the pressure that Cohen's statements had on that, that he wants to win within five years. You know, I, I can't envision, envision a way in which you wouldn't want to be the GM for the Mets compared to, I'm sorry for your Phillies, based on the fact that they're going to have full freedom to add players and load up. It's like the uh, 80s and 90s and early zeros Yankees. It's a dream if you're a Mets fan. And, and you know, there was other Mets news. Robinson Cano did a dumb thing. So he is not oh, going to play. Yes. He is out for the, the 2021 season. And one could see where his career might be over as well. Now, he wasn't an awesome fantasy option, but you have him ranked as the number 200 overall. So he was going to be drafted in leagues, hit for average, maybe a 20 home run guy in 2021. Now the Mets, you know, have to juggle things a little. Jeff McNeil can play a, a capable second base. J.D. Davis could play third. Um, Dominic Smith, is he a left fielder, a D.H.? First baseman. I mean, I assume is going to be the DH still, but it, they can sign Marcelo Zuna. Yeah, they can it sign does, whoever they want. It does free them up on the free agent market to go several different directions. I mean, we've heard the DJ LeMahieu chatter even before the Robinson Cano news broke. So they could go that direction, as you mentioned, Azuna. They could go with George Springer. They've got a lot of different paths here. It 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 in a way actually kind of untied the Mets' hands. So yeah, I, I'm intrigued. It, I'm intrigued quite a bit about what the Mets could do, what they put on the field out there, and what that's going to mean for the divisional competition. I mean, frankly, the Cano suspension is a gift to the Mets because it erases a bad move that happened a year or two before, just like the 76 unloading the Al Horford contract. It really saves them. It doesn't give them Kellenic back. It doesn't give them Jared Kellenic no, back. No. So Mets are going to remind Mets fans are going to remind you of that. But you're right; it does it does forgive them of the the salary and gives them some relief there. So Atlanta. Um, you know, they could re-sign Marcel Zuna to play left field, um, but they signed Charlie Morton to a one-year deal. They signed Drew Smiley to a one-year deal. Morton's the one we'll be interested in fantasy. Now, I, I ranked Morton ahead of what you have uh, Morton, Morton ranked as. 
And and, and I, I would ask you this, because you know I'm going to ask you this on every show. Sure. If entering the 2020 season, we universally ranked Charlie Morton as the Rays, you know, number one or two starter, we ranked him in the top 20. And then he for a couple starts in 2020, he didn't pitch so well. He finished better. Velocity was down. He's obviously an older pitcher. What changed for you that you would rank Morton, say you had him 17 entering the 2020 season, now you have him 35. What, what changed for you in that respect? Is it the ballpark switch? Is it his age? What? Velocity? Yeah, there, there, there's a couple. Th- you mentioned a few of them here. Let's hit on those. Velocity was down a little bit. Which is the real Morton? Was it the one from before 2020 or or the one that showed up during the postseason where he did recapture the velocity? He also had better feel for the curveball. He got uh, reca- recaptured a good amount of the spin that he had on that curveball in the postseason, and the numbers reflected it, including that, that uh, winner-take-all game in the championship series, I believe it was. Right? Or was it the division? There's so many series now, I can't even remember. Um, Leaving Tampa's a, a negative. That's one of the best parks for a pitcher around there. I also sort of trust pitchers with the Tampa Bay Rays. Um, going into the National League East, I mentioned with the Mets, I do think that's going to be a pretty competitive division. I would argue that right now it should be projected to, to score the most runs. That is a little bit of a concern. The other one, too, is 2020 showed again that Morton's durability and workload concerns had come back. And I'm a little bit alarmed about that at his age. Is is he capable of the 30-plus starts and 200-plus innings pitched? If I had any criticism, that's probably the first place that I'd go, is that he gives you 25 and 160 and not anything more. All right, I guess that's fair. Let me ask you off topic here then. The 2021 season, I assume you're doing projections and getting ready for the season. Are you projecting more pitchers to be 175 innings plus, 200 innings, fewer pitchers than we would have in a full 2020? You know, because obviously with minor leaguers who didn't get to pitch, they're not going to go up to 175 innings. But like, what do you do with major league pitchers who didn't get to throw a full season? Do we just assume that these guys are going to go back? You think teams will be more cautious with Morton, with Mike Soroka coming from back from a was that Achilles? I mean, I, I imagine you take the under on 175 innings for most of these pitchers. Yeah, and you mentioned Soroka. I think that adding guys like Smiley and Morton is a signal that teams are looking at this like we're not getting through the year with five pitchers going 30 starts and 200 innings. I, I would project fewer. I do think that assuming we get a 162-game schedule for each team, that this will be another year where we set a record for the fewest ERA qualifiers, at which point... Major League Baseball is probably going to have to come up with something to adjust the qualification for the ERA title. I don't know. We'll see. We, we've talked about this with wins, quality starts, ERA for years, and nothing's changed. So who knows? The other is we don't really know what the timetable is going to be for spring training and if it's going to be a 162-game schedule. There is the possibility that either of those get shortened, spring training's delayed, the season's delayed. I don't know yet. I do think that we're going to see lower lower workloads, though, even in a full year. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think they'd be... It'd be a little wild to start spring training on time. So maybe they start everything up like in May or something like that. But And and when we get to next season, when we have more clarity, we can tell you what, what we think would affect your draft, you know, your rankings and how you should draft and all that. Uh, let's get back into some more players now. Man, not a whole lot is going on here. Um, so we did see you – know, this was actually something actionable, okay? I'm being serious. So Vlad Guerrero did lose weight. Um, it looks like he says 40 pounds. He says he wants to play third base again. I don't care where he plays. He's only eligible at first base uh, for 2021. But 
if he loses, like he lost a lot of weight. That has to matter, right? I mean, is this a guy now that we would move up in our rankings and say maybe he can fulfill the offensive promise that we expected for him, that which we really haven't seen yet? Yeah, and you mentioned about the positions. What came to mind for me a second ago is that the talk that the Blue Jays could be interested in Colton Wong suggested to me that there could be a lot of shuffling around around that lineup. So we'll see. We'll see whether Guerrero gets his wish about third base. He looks great. Look, we, we can't deny it. We've seen the pictures. He looks great. When you want to talk about players who have gotten themselves into full shape and lost a lot of weight, he definitely ranks among the bigger such stories that I've seen in any of the years I've been writing about this. The problem is that it immediately brings up the best shape of my life discussion and how many times that that is disappointed. And frankly, I do recall that Guerrero had talked about this and I think was committed to it at the beginning of the 2019 or no, excuse me, 2020 calendar year. And then things just went all astray. So I don't know. I'm not sure if I want to buy into that fully yet, but I'm optimistic. My main thing is if this is what you're going to use to push him back into the top three rounds of your fantasy drafts, then you are overvaluing him. The reason you want to get Guerrero is that if he hovers around where I had him or you had him in the rankings, 75th to 100th overall, sign me up. It's a huge plus for him if the value is right. By the way, I am in the best shape of my life, despite the extra pounds for the hair. But otherwise, I, I am feeling good. <laughs> Your hair is fantastic. Come on. It's the best shape it's ever been, right? Best shape of my life, I've dear I've seen folks. it in person. I'm, I'm impressed. And by the way, I've seen it in person safely. So I'll, I'll, I'll make sure we stress that. Yes, we had a masked lunch. How are you sure it was even me? Even me? You couldn't even be sure about that. <laughs> um, true, true. <laughs> uh, All right. Uh, I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on Jeff Hoffman being traded to the Reds for Robert Stevenson. But, you know, that could be a guy, Jeff Hoffman, leaving Colorado, going to Cincinnati. We know he's got good stuff. Cincinnati puts him in the rotation. I'd spend a last-round pick and an NL only on Jeff Hoffman. I mean, you know, he's a lot of spin. That's what you're looking at now. You're looking at not just velocity, but you're looking at spin, spin rates. Yep. That's why I said with the Morton situation is that recapturing the spin. And I like to do a lot of comparative analysis is comparative analyses about players as to whether they've gained or lost them. And you can split up the samples for those. Hoffman could be worth a dart throw. There is another pitcher we didn't mention who we, who I, I think is a little higher profile than Hoffman. Well, I mean, Mike Clevenger has Tommy John surgery. I don't know who you're talking about. I'm talking about Mike Minor, Kyle Soppy's favorite. Ugh, really? Yeah. Talk about Mike Minor. My reaction, exactly. Not a Mike Minor guy. I, well, he was good two years ago, but I saw a chart where his velocity was way down last season, and I have to assume that there's some reason for that. I'm not sure what it is. <laughs> you know, was he hurt? And you know, Kansas City gave him, you know, okay money there. Like they didn't give him Drew Smiley money, but they gave him money, Robbie Ray money. It's interesting. All these lefties are finding jobs. Yep. Is there is that a coincidence? Like these are like innings eaters. Although Robbie Ray is not really an innings eaters because every time he starts, he goes only five innings. So like yeah, I, I don't know. Even using him as a traditional starter in Toronto. Yeah, I mean it's just it weirds. But like I mean I would I, I can't rank Mike Miner as somebody to take in an ESPN standard league. Um, or Ro- see now Robbie Ray, that's a lot of strikeouts. Mike Miner had 200 strikeouts two years ago. We we shouldn't be just like dismissing yeah. Mike Miner. That's like- why I mentioned him. That's why I mentioned him is that I, I don't think we should forget about what happened two years ago and that there are cases where we should be forgiving of the individuals. The other part of this one is that landing in Kansas City is very interesting. Point this out. Kauffman Stadium has the second largest available fair territory space 
in all of Major League Baseball. It's second only to Coors Field. Obviously, that's number one. But that's second, and he is a fly ball-oriented pitcher. So if they're giving him a commitment as their number one starter in that ballpark as a fly ball-oriented guy, he might actually make the cut for ESPN leagues. You know, I think if you had to draft Mike Minor or Robbie Ray in 2021, who would you draft? Minor. Mike Minor. And you say that without even hesitation. Robbie Ray is a major strikeout guy. Without now, a hint the, of hesitation. Ray is a little bit too wild for my taste by comparison. The outfield situation for Kansas City would really matter here. Right now it looks like Whit Merrifield's in right. Um, Hunter Dozier's in left. And center field, they just signed Michael Taylor, Michael A. Taylor, the old Nationals guy. They have Franchi Cordero, who's not exactly a gold glover. So it's going to be inter- interesting to see what the outfield alignment would be for Kansas City. But, yeah, you know what? Mike Minor – Using the Carl I always talk about is like he was good two years ago. I, I don't want to overrate what happened in a two-month baseball season this summer like or this fall. Like I just don't it, because I don't know what mattered and what didn't. I, I don't. He, he And the other is we've mentioned all the times that he's been pitching over his head as I do the air quotes thing. All of the underlying metrics suggested that he wasn't what he was in 2019. That wasn't his true talent. But last year he was – unbelievably unlucky. I mean, look at the left on base percentage. It was 62%, I think, which is extremely oh. low. Yeah, it's it's out of control. Taylor, by the way, adding him, you want to talk the defense there. If he looks like he did three, four years ago in Washington, that could be a great devis- defensive ad that helps Minor as well. And these are the pitchers who very often you get either as pickups after the draft in the ESPN Standard League or with your last round pick, and they end up being mid-staff type of guys. If things break just the right way, you know, that's the guy who could make or break your season in 2021. And the worst case scenario is your final round pick was your first cut. What do you do with Mike Clevenger in a dynasty format? I'd keep him around. I, I One thing is the timing of having the surgery and the announcement is going to give him a chance at having a full 2022. And we've mentioned before about how 2021, there's no guarantee we get a full year anyway. So if you're playing in any sort of dynasty format, anything long term, you already know that these, you know, this past year and this year could be compromised. So what's the loss to you? And it will be San Diego. He signed a two-year deal yep. uh, it, uh, across his arbitration. So that's interesting there. Um, okay, what other thing? Okay, so Texas Rangers today. This is kind of interesting. Um, Nick Solak, who I thought is going to – I still think is going to be a, a really good hitter, a good fantasy option, some pops and batting average, can run a little bit. They're saying that he wants they want him to be the everyday second baseman. And Isaiah Connor Falefa, the former catcher turned gold glove third baseman, is going to move to shortstop. And that means that Elvis Andrews and Rubnet Odor, who both were just terrible last season. Elvis didn't even run. They would be like like uh, guys who can play all over the diamond. And then they have a prospect who I like. I have him in a dynasty league, Josh Jung. And I'm trying to get him in my sim league. Yeah. And um so it's interesting what Texas is doing here. Kind of Falefa at shortstop, catcher to third to short. I don't know if that's been done before. I, but he didn't really hit enough to matter in, in most fantasy leagues. He ran. So the catcher eligibility was nice. But I don't think Kind of Falefa played catcher. So now he's just a third baseman, right? He did not play a single game of catcher. He played, well, I have it by innings. He played 366 innings at third base. Played a very good defense there. And he played 121 innings at shortstop. And frankly, if you look at the metrics there, at shortstop, three defensive runs saved. His UZR was 0.4. If you did it over 150 plays, it was 16 and a half. It's pretty good. He was a very capable shortstop. It's an interesting move for sure. I, I do think 
despite the fact we've talked a lot about the depth of shortstop, that if Kiner Falefa has the shortstop eligibility, that's going to be a big plus for him fantasy-wise. I love the dual eligibility, and it's conceivable he's the emergency catcher, sneaks in a couple of games there and adds that during the year. And then at that point, he's your everyday shortstop playing a catcher. You know, he could Kiner Falefa could be like a 12-homer, 12-steal guy who bats 280. And if they hit him at the top of the lineup, bat him second again, he could score 80 runs. You know, a 12-homer, 12-steal, 280 shortstop has some value. You would draft that guy late as your middle infielder. Maybe. I'd say so, yeah. You look at the you look at the discipline metrics, discipline guy who could There's something there. Probably earn a, a decent top of the lineup spot. Yeah. I still think I, I I'd rather have Nick Solak, but still that's that's something to watch to see what happens. And you know, I don't think we're gonna see a lot of prospects right away in twenty twenty one because a lot of them didn't even get to play. In fact, what we're gonna see is a lot of guys who who debuted in twenty twenty might go back to the minors in 2021 and we may not even see them again anytime soon which could be quite a bummer there and i want to give you some names before i just like yell out stuff but you know what i mean like people that debuted that probably wouldn't have debuted in a normal season i'll I'll throw throw a quick hunch at you my hunch is that next year is going to be one of the most variable for rookies we've ever seen as you said guys from last year being sent down unexpectedly or spending more time there. I also think that we might see more of the mid-season unexpected call-ups like last year. We're going to see a little sprinkling of, wow, that guy's getting called up, but also how is this guy not up yet? Um, anything, Corey Kluwer might go to Boston, but that's not definite. Um, I don't know if I even want to like take the chance, but you tell me, is there anything there? I mean, if he goes to Boston, I think, still think Boston's going to provide him with decent run support, so that's good. Uh, Kluber, the durability has been a major concern the past couple of years. Lost some break on that curve. I, I, I mean, I, I'm just interested in seeing him get a regular job, but I also look at Boston and say they're desperate for starters. Anybody they can get at an affordable rate who's going to give them starts, so I, I, I don't read too much into it. And I'm sure there'll be a lot of other news. Tristan's rankings are posted. I guess mine are too. Cody Bellinger did have surgery on his shoulder that he injured bopping a teammate. Um, But we don't think that that's going to have any factor at all in his 2021 season. Actually, it's taken him like two months to recover from this surgery. But I I didn't downgrade him in my rankings. I assume you didn't either, right? I actually do think Bellinger is going to be a relative value based on where we're seeing him in ranks. I think that that people aren't going to be all in and they should be. Yeah, I mean, you could make the case for Cody Bellinger as a first-round pick. Same with Yelich, and I bet they're going to slip in a lot of drafts because they didn't have a good 2020 season. And So I, I keep getting this question a lot on Twitter. How much of what we saw in 2020 matters to you? And it, it, it really kind of goes on an individual basis to me. I look at certain numbers and I say, you know, with Yelich and Bellinger, I don't care. And then, like, I see Randy Rosarena and just as what he did in September, and I'm like, I care. Now, there's something going on with him off the field, which we're not going to talk about today, and I hope that it didn't happen. But, you know, statistically, what I'm saying is, like, I'm looking individually at each player because I can't just, like, like a blanket statement say, this matters, this does I can't do that. So, you know, you ask me about a player, I'll tell you what I think, and that's kind of how it's going to be. And we'll bring Kyle in here and, and talk about the, the, the questions that people asked us on Twitter, the hash browns, and see if there's any players like that. But you know what I mean? Like, Somebody had a great year. Okay, does it matter? Does it not matter? I don't know. Like, I need to, like, know more. I need to, like, Freddie Freeman's probably not going to put up those numbers for six months. But he did it for two. 
You know, like, what does that mean? Do I put Freddie Freeman in round one? I, Alex Bregman, that was terrible. But yeah. we didn't, we didn't really discount him all that much. Like, we still have him in round three. So that's the know? thing. If the player was consistently great over sixty games, or consistently disappointing, noticeably disappointing over the sixty games, I would. I would question whether small samples had something to do with that, that if it was 162, it wouldn't have kept up. I would probably look at last year and say, if if I suspect a storyline that something did distinctly change, I'm going to go back previously and examine more, examine him more closely. You know, I like to dig deeply into the, the underlying metrics. I'm, I'm going to look back at 2019s with a lot more interest than I might have in 2019 related to 2018. So you're joining Mike. That's that's what I do. Is it like I look at a, even a full season and say, why did this guy stink? Yeah, we know he was good before this. Maybe we should just discount what just happened. So I'm going to be doing a lot more discounting. Yeah. As we do, we do the EK, we'll do the EK double down. That's that's definitely apt this year. All right, Kyle. I see your face. Uh, I'm sure there's lots of hash browns here. And and to answer a question somebody might have, I don't know when we're doing our next show, but follow Kyle and all of us on Twitter, and we'll let you know if we do one the rest of December or if we just wait till January. If if nothing's happening in baseball, there doesn't seem like much much of a reason to push another show out. Um, so, Kyle, what we got? We got a few questions here on the Twitter machine. People were active in December. I like it. Norman wants to know which free agent signing you're most interested in. And when it comes to where he lands. Tristan, why are you like celebrating? What's what's going on there? <laughs> I like the enthusiasm ball. among the yeah, listeners. Uh, Norman's question, which reason are you most interested in? Well, obviously for me as a Phillies fan, real Muto, but I think there's like a 5% chance the Phillies would spend that money at this point. Where's it going? And, and, and they can't even afford James McCann. So Andrew Knapp is your starting catcher. Where's it going? Where is well, real Muto going, Mr. Philly? He's not going to Eric's fantasy team. I bet you that. Oh, I well, know that. yeah. I mean, I, I'm not a. I wait until the end. In ESPN leagues. I wait until the end to draft my catcher. Um, so I will not be drafting Real Muto, and I especially won't if he's a Met. And I know I shouldn't say that, but <laughs> like I, the Mets could get two of the three between Springer, Real Muto, and Bauer. So, and the Yankees could get involved if they if they get rid of Sanchez. So, I mean, but I, I would say this Bauer because it, with a pitcher. I, I want to see what kind of ballpark and what kind of defense he has behind him. Even a major strikeout guy like Bauer. So where he lands is going to affect where I rank him. But with Real Muto, it probably won't. And Springer, it probably won't. So I think that's what I would say to that. And Liam LeMahieu, it won't. But with Bauer, it will. Is that fair? Yeah. And I've I've mentioned before, speaking of Springer, that the role has a pretty high likelihood of shifting on a new team. And that is that the the way that the Astros use him is not necessarily going to be the situation for his new team. He might be looked at as a run producer, middle of the lineup guy. So the categorical production is going to shift. Kind of curious to see where that is. I'll throw Didi Gregorius out there just because of what he could do to the infield defense of the particular team he signs with. The other thing is that Didi had crafted his game very closely around pole power at Yankee Stadium. So what ballpark he lands in is going to be important for his fantasy value. I'll throw you another – this is the one I'm tracking too is Hasung Kim's uh, possible posting, and I hope I pronounced that right. <laughs> you know, I was going to ask you about him and other uh, players that come from Asia. What, what are your thoughts though like on new players? Because we've seen so many over the years that 
they put up big numbers and then they come here and they're Shogo Akiyama. And I'm like, I feel like we get burned a lot. It doesn't translate. It's almost like translating from double A and skipping triple A. So what do you do with players like that? And I think you're dead on with the double A being a rough comparison here. And I might lean a little bit towards it's a lower competitive level slightly than even double A ball is. Um, I mean, we've seen, you've seen the projections experts out there. And I mean, Dan Saborski threw out some projections of what uh, Kim's numbers could be if, you know, you take last year's numbers and translate them to U.S. ball. I kind of agreed with them. I thought they were right in the right ballpark. But what were they? They were two. It was like 260 with a 460 slugging, I think. Somewhere in that range, like a mid 400 slugging. Which isn't special. It's not special, but it's not bad. And it's a capable major league shortstop. So, All right. So we'll see who gets him. Um, I think the Phillies are going with Gene Segura. So Aaron Aaron Noel better strike everybody out. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Bring Dean back to New York. I'll take him back. Welcome back. By the way, it's very possible we're doing a show around the Super Bowl. And and a lot of these free agents are still out there because teams don't want to spend money. It's not just the Phillies who I'm picking on because I followed them the closest. But like – like a lot of teams are not going to spend money, and we're going to see that middle tier of free agents still free agents, I think, into February, which people are going to whine about on Twitter. But when you lose money, you don't want to spend money. So, you know, like I, I can understand why teams are going to do that. I, I can to some degree. I don't know. I don't might, want to side with teams. but we, we might well see. I mean, we're seeing short term deals early. We might continue to see a rash of those over the next week or two. And then those begin to slow. Then the big names take up the big time contracts around the turn of the new year. And then after that, it's take what you can get. You're right. We might see a lot of guys slip between the cracks and have to just take something in late January or even wait into spring training. And like if I'm doing a draft, say, in mid-February, like this past season, we were all drafting Yasiel Puig. And he didn't – he never did find a place to play. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm going to be doing that in 2021 because that maybe was they don't. Usual spot though, like Puig. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, like you never, you don't know where these guys are going to end up, especially if it's a relief pitcher and and saves are in play. You know, you know, one of one to keep an eye on is that the designated hitter types. They need to I, know whether there's a designated hitter in the National. There has league. to be. I, I feel like there's a 95 percent likelihood. That baseball has universal DH every year from now on. I don't oh, see great. how they could go back. How can you go back to pitchers batting after Why after that? Why would you? You want this game to be more entertaining, and there's no strategy anymore with it. Anyway, what's the next question? Sorry. Jared wants to know what your favorite categories are for a 5 by 5 league given the new era of baseball. Tristan's nodding his head. So you you tell us, Tristan. Tristan's going to take away all 10 traditional categories and make up his own 10. I don't no, know. You should have home runs. That's what I do, man. You know what? Let's, let's go through them one by one. Yeah, yeah. Let's go through them one by one and see if Tristan agrees or doesn't agree. Home runs, you want to keep home runs. Yep. Runs batted in, I think you should keep runs batted in. Yep. Runs scored, I think, is a is a good – somebody's at my door. So runs scored is a good category. <laughs> now it's you. <laughs> It is evened out over time, sir. Run, run scored, we stick with. It correlates um, very well with Major League success better than you think, run scored. I agree. And I, you want players who are batting at the top of a lineup. Nobody batting eighth is going to score 100 runs. Um, the other two, you can make a case to switch. Batting average, I would switch because I like on-base percentage. Do I want OPS? Um, so it, it takes into account slugging. So what would be your idea? Would it be on-base percentage, batting average, OPS, some com- combination? What? 
I, I, the more time goes by. Woba more, runs created plus. I mean, there are, there are a lot of things. I want something you can track in the live scoring. It's got to be that. That's one of the Agreed. problems is that I don't, you can't put war in because you can't track it in live scoring. And you I, lose new players that way. Yes. It's, 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 it's tough to do. I like to more. I, I, I question it at first. I like the Tout Wars move batting average on base percentage. I've warmed if, a, if it's a five category offensive side, I would just put on base percentage in for batting average. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I think on base percentage is better than batting average. And I think OPS is flawed. So just like batting averages. So, yeah, I think it's I think it's OK because like because a guy could have like a 270 on base, but like. You know, slug 500 like Chris Davis of Oakland, and then you got a player who's not really a good player. So I do think on base is more important than OPS and uh, batting average. Yeah, I'd go that. OPS would almost be tripling down on the homers and RBI. Exactly. And then with stolen bases, I I still kind of like net steals because if a guy is going to steal 25 bases and get caught 12 times, that's not efficient or effective. So I kind of like net steals a little bit. I you, should be getting, you should be penalized here for, for getting caught stealing so much. I agree with you, and I think we should make the push that that's the direction people should go. I like net steals. Okay. All right. On the pitching side, I think we're still good with ERA and whip, yes? And strikeouts? Or do we want – or let's just start with ERA and whip. I, I do think there should be – not every category should be cumulative. It should be an average. Yeah. So – and I don't, like, I don't like the imbalance. I don't like one ratio on the hitting side and two on the pitching side, but I don't think you can avoid it here. Okay. The other three, you know, something needs to be done. So I think with wins, it's bad. Because the thing I don't like about wins, other than the fact that a lot of pitchers aren't even going six innings or five innings anymore, is that I like an, a, an old man gets to decide who gets to win in a game. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be a new rule. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if quality starts is any better. Frankly, because, you know, you might draft Blake Snell and his new team or his old team might not let him go long enough in a game to get a win. So what do you do? I think innings pitched is representative of what what we want wins to be in some ways. Like you want to be rewarded for a guy going eight innings. But if a guy goes eight, if a guy goes five innings and gives up five runs and wins, how is that more effective than a guy who goes eight shutout innings? But the Royals don't score for Mike Miner, and he gets a no decision. I want innings, I think, instead of wins. Is that is that weird? I don't call that weird. I think it's smart. I have a little hesitation because it does increase the chances you could manipulate the roster in order to carry categories. We did do that in the short year in two of my home leagues, and it did make it easier for to go for you to go with closers and middle relievers and try to take saves, ERA, and WHIP. That's the only reason I hesitate on it. But I like it because I think innings pitched is an underrated and critical category, especially the way that pitching staffs are structured nowadays. That's what we want. We want these guys to throw innings. And, and I think the reason why it works is if you want to roster Steven Matz because you think he's going to go 150 innings, you're going to pay the price in ERA and whip. So the innings still have to be good innings. You can't just have Bartolo Colon types. So mm-hmm. I think I would go from wins to innings. Let's move on. Saves. I can't stand saves. I want middle relievers to have value as well. And I like a league with saves plus holes. I want that. Do you agree with that? I want to agree with you. And you and I talked about this a little bit in our little stat digging things about a month ago. And the only reason I don't like holds is that it does not have a universal definition. If you go to a couple of the different stat sources, they have a different, a different classification for what is a hold. 
And until we have found agreement on that, I can't get behind it. But you're right. It's probably still better than saves. I mean, saves is easily manipulative. I, I don't like the fact that a guy can have a, th- you know, a three-inning save in a joke game. I don't like the fact that – You wouldn't have started that guy in most cases. No, but I, I, don't, I don't like the fact more so that the ninth inning, <laughs> a three-run lead against the bottom of the lineup is the same as you can come in in the eighth inning, get five outs, and you, you know, escape with a bases loaded jam. It, it shouldn't be the same. And I do think that good setup men should be rewarded in this game as much as closers because some of the setup men should be closers and some of the closers should be sixth or seventh inning guys. So that's why I want saves plus holds. But you're right. It has to be a universal I, definition. I The reason I think you should get on board with it, despite my concerns, are, as you said, as teams move more towards committees, it's important to give value to quality good pitch. pitchers. And, and if Major League Baseball would address the criteria for a win for a pitcher in this modern game, I think that would fix the hold problem. And there was a great string on this a couple of years ago. I remember it was the Yankees postseason game. I think it was Chad Green, in fact, where they showed a great example. Actually, I think it was David Robertson, where he came into the third inning and because he was win eligible, a certain stat source did not consider that a hold by traditional definition. It It is a hold. It, like we need to come up with something here. We can't just use the wind definition to define what a hold is. I'm sorry, you can't. All right, and then because I want innings, a cumulative stat, which wins is too, but not the same way. I would go go off strikeouts here and go to strikeout percentage or, or K nine. I think strikeout percentage is a better stat than K nine, and it's really better than overall strikeouts. And Kyle, you're wagging your heads here, so let's let's hear your reasoning here because strikeout percentage, like. Devin Williams struck out more than 50% of the batters he faced. Strikeout percentage shows that. K-9, it doesn't show the same increase over other pitchers to me. What do you say? I'm with you. I like K percentage. I think it kind of like what you're saying, it rewards good pitchers. Like you, You're rarely going to see a bad pitcher with a good strikeout percentage, or at least if he is, then he can help you there and not kill you in other areas. It's I just don't like volume things. Like, you can't pile up wins because wins are so arbitrary. But piling up strikeouts, I feel like you can win a category without really any good pitchers if you really wanted to. But strikeout percentage would mitigate that to some degree because if you're streaming pitchers I give you, I don't know. I'm strikeout percentage over strikeouts, but I can't really formulate it into a great There shouldn't be – you shouldn't have to draft Devin Williams or James Karinchak hoping for saves. The strikeouts should matter. Oh, and, they, they do. They but, do. But I think it matters more in strikeout percentage than in volume strikeout. It, it it will skew your league into the point that Devin Williams is the only valuable pitcher. It does not. There's no incentive to start a starting pitcher. One concern I have with it is that you'd effectively have to create a starts minimum, and I hate minimums. I hate all minimums for all reasons. So you would stick with strikeouts? Yeah. The logic you guys have behind this is dead on. I do not disagree with that in the slightest. It is better reward players for strikeout percentage, but if you go that direction, you have three ratios and you can manipulate it with... with Maybe what I mean to say is here that I I want to start evaluating players on strikeout percentage as opposed to strikeouts and and K9. Dead on. And I do. I I evaluate off of strikeout percentage more than I do now, and that'll that'll come across in my writing and in our podcast. Um, Okay, that was a long answer. and I hope they, we have people. And, and by the way, if you're starting a league, 
Start it with different rules. I mean, wins, saves, get rid of them. Get rid of time to experiment. Very good time in the baseball existence just to experiment. All right, what do we got, Kyle? Well, I've got another question to kind of build on that. You wanted quality starts over wins or something to that effect. What if you had like an escalating quality start? Like a quality start wasn't six innings, three earned. It was five innings, one earned, or six innings, two earned, or anything over six with three earned. Of course I would like something better. But the problem yeah. here is baseball, baseball's got so many things wrong right now. They're not going to change the win rule, Tristan. They're not even going to get – they haven't even gotten the DH yet. long overdue. They're, they're long overdue on that. I'm sorry. Right, they, but need... they, they don't see that, and they're not going to anytime soon. They've got a I... laundry list of things to get to. So You know I'm, I'm, you know I'm fully behind, and, and whether we trust the official scores and, with, and, and to do this accurately, and I think that somebody should give them a formula to do it, if we allowed the official score to hand the wind out to the, the most effective pitcher in his judgment for that day's game wins should be the category yeah but they're not going to do that i know um, they're not no i mean kyle's point is valid um kyle quality starts is if, if pitchers aren't going long enough in games it's not even going to matter you have to re- redefine all these rules yeah kyle it was the dream of mine that that would happen 10 years ago but the games don't support it that's fair yeah no it's it's a tough logistical fix i'm just trying i'm just but you're right you're right it's another thing where you're you, your point is dead on. All right. We got two more questions here. Rishi wants to know, there were three top 10 pitchers last year that weren't drafted as top 25 pitchers. If you had to pick one to fall into that bucket in 2021, who is it? First of all, who were the ones? <laughs> let me, let me make some sort of look. <laughs> it well, I'm, I have Tristan's rankings open on my page. So I, I, I'm sure I could guess it from that. I um, think I know Tristan's answer is Zach Gallen based on your guys' ranks. He's not. He's in my top 25, though. Right. Well, yeah, okay. But is his ADP based on Eric? He will be. Rank, he will ADP absolutely be a top 25 drafted pitcher. Man, I place him dead on that. He's got Zach Gallen number 11 at starting pitcher. That's amazing. I would. I will happily bet either you any anything you want on there that he will be a top 25 ADP, barring like an injury that happens tomorrow, and I hope not. No, I'm, I'm not, not betting against it. I'm I just not, don't gamble. He <laughs> His ADP won't be anywhere close to. All right, so I think what you're asking is find pitchers that Tristan does not rank in the top 25 right now that you think w- will end up in the top 25. If you assume his ranks reflect what ADP will reflect, yeah. Yeah. Well, he wins his, not, league. he wins his leagues and he's doing the rankings. So <laughs> drives ADP. It's we got to come up with a new name. It's Tristan draft position. ADP. Oh, God. Well, I mean, at first glance, Morton certainly has a shot, and. If you if you use if you compare him to Kershaw, the if he misses starts, they would have to be awesome innings, and he would have to get enough run support to win games. And I think Morton could do that, so I, I think Morton's going to end up a top twenty-five starting pitcher. I, I trust that he'll stay healthy. He didn't have, you know nobody had a spring training. But yeah, you need a top 10. ten pitcher here. Wait, wait, wait what? the ceiling here. He needs to be not drafted as a top twenty-five pitcher, but finish in the top, in the top ten. Yeah, that's. I don't know if Morton has that upside. Um. Well, six months ago, I would have said Chris Paddock, but now, see, I don't want to say no to that. What about Julio Urias? Oh, no, you stole my guy. <laughs> well, I'm on the bandwagon. I mean, like, well, I, sure. I think, look, if we're going to rank Bueller this way, I think Urias is, frankly, as good. I, I The concern with him has been innings, piling on innings. But how many did he throw last year? Not enough. You sure? No. 
He threw 78 innings last year, if you count the postseason. He threw 79 and two-thirds the year before. Why can't he ramp up to 160, 170? Oh, I didn't say he can't ramp up. I'm saying they won't let him ramp up. But I think this year they would. But, like, they also have Mayan Gonsolin. So what do they do? Like, they have a lot of guys. looked really good during the postseason. And if that's the true value guy, 170 innings is going to propel him into the top 10. Just you watch. I, I... That would, that's the guy that jumps out to me right now. Um, I'll steal your guy then. I'm trying to think who that could possibly be. Oh. Andrews. That's uh, Eric's favorite. Eric might have mentioned this guy in this show more than anybody else I can possibly imagine. A starting pitcher? Yes. Who you don't have ranked in the top 25. You mentioned this guy at least a dozen times this year. Oh, my goodness. At least. I, I would... I would say you probably mentioned him at least two dozen times. Well, it's not Marco Gonzalez, so let's 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 not let's go there. You mentioned him way more than Marco Gonzalez. I think you mentioned him on on like fifteen consecutive shows at one. Point. Nate Nate Pearson? No, but Nate Pearson's a good candidate. That is a good answer. Uh Kopech? No, but this guy threw the same number of innings last year. Zero. Yep. Oh boy, Mackenzie Gore. Mackenzie Gore. <laughs> okay. But, I, I mean, the Clevenger injury could open the door to Gore, but, you know, they have money to spend, too. So, I, I, I'm still amazed that the Padres never promoted Gore. Like, why would they not, you know, do that? But all the way to the top ten, that seems like a jump. But he's got stuff, man. He's going to strike people out. Yeah. But they, they would never let him go 150 innings. He didn't even pitch last year. That would be the concern, and he falls in the same Arias thing. But it might only take 150 innings if you pitch them at high quality to get into the top 10. I guess. I mean, like Framber Valdez, if you, you know, if you keep pitching the way he did, maybe he could, he could do it. Yeah, he could. It's another guy I mean, that was on the list. The Nelson Lamette, you already ranked there. Um, you know, Kyle Hendricks every year has numbers, and I know you don't like him. And you certainly never rank him well, but he finished as the number ten like starting pitcher on our player raider. What's what's ranking Kyle Hendricks well? Give me define what ranking him well means. Uh, not where you give do. No, just give me a number. SP what? Twenty five. I've I've routinely had him in that group. I don't, I don't think did. I've I don't think I've ever had him in the top twenty, but I've definitely had him at twenty five. I mean, oh. that's a guy who whip matters, mm-hmm. and he just doesn't let guys get on base. But, you know, who knows what the Cubs look like and after today and not a big strikeout guy. I'll grant you that. Um, I'm interested to see these Indians guys, Plesak and Savali, to be honest. I, I don't know how they're – are they this good? Mm-hmm. That's – but, you know, top 20 starting pitchers. I mean, Pearson and Kopech to me could be Bueller types. They have the strikeout potential. They have the, the run support potential. Um, Toronto's going to score a lot of runs with the, all the kiddies of former major leaguers up there. And uh, the White Sox are going to score plenty of runs. And But the thing about Kopech is he didn't pitch at all. He's coming off the surgery. Or actually, he, he opted out. He was healthy and he opted out. Yep. And Pearson had a couple different injuries. Spencer Howard. Like, I don't know if these teams let them pitch enough. But, okay, it's a good question. It's a good question. I mean, I, I'm going to keep Kyle Hendricks in a league where – People cut a lot of starting pitching because I think Kyle Hendricks could be a top 20 starting pitcher, and I drafted him on the thinking that I would keep him for a year or two. What's the league context? 16 teams, 12 keepers. And he costs what? Nothing. Oh, this is just like the list. Yeah. How many? um, We keep 12, and I have have Barrios and Gray, and I'm going to keep him too. Hendricks. (laughs) 
Because <laughs> then I don't have to worry. I have those. I have Pearson too. So that's I'll build that way. Mm-hmm. All right. What's the other question? We've got one last question here. It comes from Brian. He's going to be a new fantasy baseball player this year, and he wants to know what are some of the basics that he needs to know right now to be competitive. Just basic, overarching kind of things. Oh, and now we turn to Tristan time, where he tell, tells people how to win their leagues in December. <laughs> Best part of the show. Oh, jeez, we're, we're doing that again. <laughs> well, All I right. mean, I just I just oh. preach have fun and balance teams, but like you win your. No, so I, see, what you- I, I think I think you have a, a good perspective as to how not to get your mind cluttered. And I'm the guy who's got his mind cluttered. What I would say to Brian is this, and I'll do it after the show. I'll tweet to him that one of the best parts of this summer where we didn't have baseball was I got to write the playbook out as a nine part series that went deep into what my thinking was. And if I tried to crunch that into a you know 30 second answer, I don't think I could do it. So I'm going to tweet you that link and I'm going to update it each year. That's why I wrote that. I wrote that so that each year it could be refreshed for a new season and give you a start from basics to advanced. Those 10,000 words that you wrote on your playbook are really valuable to people, even if you're a veteran player. I'm not being facetious. I oh, mean, like, that's you, important stuff. All right. Well, and, you know, I would just say balance and have fun. <laughs> I mean, because, like, important. To, I mean, like, not everybody should be injured on your team. Not everybody should be old. You, you pitchers and hitters don't go into your, you know, season without stolen bases or saves. Like, balance, you know, like, balance thinking, too. Anyway. All right. Well, that was fun. That was a good 45 minutes and um, great job by Kyle, you know, taking a couple of minutes away from football season. And uh, thank you very much, sir. And enjoy the college hoop season. I'm enjoying watching Villanova play. And, uh, you know, we'll see. uh, We'll see if they can get games in because this is kind of a mess right now. And, uh, you know, we want everybody to be healthy, you know, first and happy. Yep. Or maybe the other way around, but uh, you know we're all dealing with uh, the same th- same pandemic here, and we all all of our sports, and um, you know hope football gets to finish the season, and we have an NCAA tournament, and maybe Major League Baseball will actually start spring training on time. Maybe we'll even announce announce the DH before that, <laughs> but we'll, you know we'll see. And we got <laughs> drafts that are starting. <laughs> Tristan and I have a, an off season league that's starting up uh, real soon. You know with the draft, so even though we don't know where half these players are playing or what the rules are. But anyway, thank you everybody for listening to our little show, for downloading whatever you do. Um, This has been Fantasy Focus Baseball. Great job by Kyle and Tristan. I am Eric. And um, we don't know when we will speak to you again. It might be later this month. It might be January. But if not, happy holidays. Be safe, healthy, smart. Have an awesome, uh, awesome month.